I think that the opportunity that they have to find out what they have in Will Levis is one that the Titans cannot mess up. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast, live from London. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at Broadway Sports Media. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network as my buddy, producer JT, who joins me as always, is fixing our situation here. Uh, JT, how are you? We are back from the Titans game live at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It was a day. Are you tired? Are we exhausted? I mean, not really, considering... <laughs> like, I th- we're, we're on the move today. about that? That sounds a little better. I-, I thought I'd be a lot more tired today, considering um, last night's festivities, for, for one mm-hmm. person on this show, at least. Um, but it great day. Like, super busy all day. Had a lot of fun. Um, and it, obviously, the game has a lot of narratives that we get to talk about plenty to talk about plenty and there's there's not promising it's good yeah or fun or positive but plenty yes. to talk about yeah we've got a lot of titans to break down for you would love to hear your thoughts comments questions observations from the game and to do that you have to go on over to broadway sports media's youtube page join the comment section like z dean and wyatt already have appreciate you guys being here with with us live on a for those in the states sunday afternoon hope you're seven, enjoying seven people here thank you for for wanting to come talk we were worried instead of <laughs> the watching witching the witching hour right now so i'm glad that i'm glad that we have some people true who, sickos who, yeah right absolutely yeah so join our conversation go over to broadway sports media's youtube page and be uh in active in the comments there give us your thoughts like Wyatt and zedin have we'll get to all of them eventually i promise jt at the top let's talk about just the whole situation at the stadium, the game day event, the atmosphere. What was your favorite part about taking part of an international NFL game? It's not like they are at home. There is a difference to it, really. Yeah, and I would say that the British are are no better than Americans um, in the sense that, like, like, a lot of people in America get, like, you know, they get ridiculed for singing songs like Sweet Caroline and uh, Mr. Brightside. That's but right. that in this entire stadium today, like even after they turned off Mr. Brightside and Sweet you'd, Caroline. You'd think that you'd be ridiculed for not singing based yeah. on the participation. I mean, it was loud. It was they, they everyone was having fun. So, um, yeah, I you saw, as we said, I think it took us right when we got to the press box. It took uh, myself, you and Nick Suss of the Tennessean. Um, along with some other media folks, maybe 20, 10, 10, 15, 10 15 minutes to find every single jersey. And really, that team. was about three minutes of looking. You found 27 of the teams. Yes. And then it was like, yeah, it's tough to find some L.A. teams, tough yes. to find an Arizona team. But we did eventually, well before game time, find every team's jersey represented in the stands. So it was like a it was like an NFL international summit. It was fantastic. Really? Yeah. And there were fans of, of all kinds there. You could tell a number of fans were there for obviously one team or the other, but some were just there to take in the spectacle. Luckily, they ended up getting a game that was not entirely uncompetitive. Uh, It sure could have been more exciting than it was. If they came for a field goal fest, boy, did they leave entertained. But let's talk about the Titans game and what the Titans do at this juncture. Obviously, they are through what we, before the season, considered to be the most difficult portion of their schedule. Those first six games before their week seven bye, they head back to Nashville tonight i believe and they're they, getting out they're getting that, out of that, here that was at least the, what what 
yes. the understanding was yeah, when we were talking They're getting out of here, Randall. and they'll be getting rested and regrouping this week. Um, but the quarterback situation is, is the number one thing that we should talk about here at the top of the show because this was already going to be a point in the season, an inflection point where we had this conversation. We knew it. We talked about how we're going to be talking about it at the beginning of the year. None of us could have foreseen exactly how we got here, but we are here. And in a way, not to make light of Ryan Tannehill's injury situation, the injury does make what they do, at least in the near term, pretty simple. I don't think it's a difficult choice. It shouldn't be a difficult choice. And boy, if it becomes one, will there be some questions to be answered? Um, and I think there will be a lot of maybe distrust sowed amongst fan bases. But Ryan Tannehill hurts his ankle today. We, we spoke to him in the locker room. Um, he did not speak at the podium. He spoke to us at his locker briefly. I asked him um, first, you know, we saw him kind of gimpy throughout the game. And then eventually he leaves after a couple of series where he's out there kind of limping around. I asked him if it was separate injuries or if it was one injury that he then re-aggravated or what the deal was, why he was playing and then wasn't playing. And he said it was the same injury. It was all in that one moment that happened on earlier in the game before you saw him limping around. And he said that it was, it was not even necessarily a pain tolerance thing. The pain was bad, but it was really a performance thing. You, you saw him come out of the game shortly after he makes that really momentum killing interception, the deep shot down the right side of the field to a, an open Chigakonkwo, a ball that's underthrown. The safety makes a nice play on it, gets the interception and all the Titans momentum where they were outscoring the Ravens in that in the, in the second half, 10 to nothing at that point, marching down the field, dictating the pace of play with the rushing attack, that, that big interception again on a, a player that was open, like it was going to be a big gain. And you were, if that, that comes down, Chigakonkwo comes down with that ball. You're sitting there thinking Titans have something here. They're in the red zone down at the time less than one score three seven whatever it was um one score was going to get them into the game if not take the lead if my memory serves so yeah they were i mean for for how much it felt like the titans were out of this game for for uh, until like the the end of the fourth quarter like for how much that this game seemed like it was one-sided for most of the game the titans were never more than one just score away including a a, a uh, two point conversion. So like it was right. a one score game for, for a lot of the entirety of the game. And, and like you said, that momentum killing uh, interception there, which Ryan uh, after the game, when we talked to him kind of also explained that, like he thinks that he just couldn't put any right. weight on it. Couldn't get that, that push that you need to get the ball all the way there. Um, and so that's why it was underthrown, which, it, and they were trying to get the it, kind of two today that were, that Ryan, maybe underthrew both of them to right. Chig today, which is mm -hmm. so frustrating because you see it every game now that they love to bring Chig on that outside, like and get him going right before the snap. A player being schemed open. And and, right. and he is um getting open. It's just the, the, ball's ball, not getting the there. ball is not getting there. Yeah, so that's what that's what I was getting at with with Tannehill. He he does not I mean I, I'm not going to sit here and try to feed you excuses for why the interception was thrown. But I will tell you that you know, don't shoot the messenger. Ryan Tannehill does not make excuses really ever. And when he does, that means something to those of us that are talking to him every day. He said explicitly, the reason why that ball was underthrown was because I could not step into the throw, a deep pass. I couldn't get any weight on that foot and I couldn't get any oomph behind the ball. And when he does that, because we ask him about interceptions and mistakes all the time, and we give him so many opportunities to make excuses like that. And he always refuses to make them or takes responsibility himself, even when there's reason to believe maybe it's not his fault for him to explicitly say that's what happened. 
I, I, I believe that that is what happened. Um, and so that was where he talked to Todd, not Todd Downing, goodness, Tim Kelly. And they kind of, Mike Vrabel was involved. They decided he was going to step out, get the x-rays. Um, x-rays we asked him about. He didn't really give us a definitive answer on that, which signals that they weren't really like that in terms of bones, doesn't seem like there's going to be a break of any kind that he's worried about, but it's a, you know, you need an MRI, he's going back to the States, ice compression stem on the plane ride back. And then you get that, you get that MRI when they get back to the States. So whatever the case is, whether it's a traditional sprain, a high ankle sprain, we're not doctors, but that's, you know, twice last season, he dealt with those kind of injuries on that same ankle, got that tightrope surgery at the end of the year, coming back off of that for the first time this season. And is now in a situation where it seems like that's probably in the neighborhood of the situation that he's dealing with right now. We look back at last season and think, okay, how, how quickly did he come back? When was he available? And he was out for a number of games, not just one week at a time, both times he was out. I believe it was two and three games or three and four, if I'm not mistaken, but it was a handful each. Right. And so that gives us re reasonable evidence to conclude that, one week off of the bye probably is not going to be enough time for him to get back. Maybe we're wrong, and maybe then we have a different conversation on Friday's show or on next Monday's show over the bye. But for now, I'm going to operate under the assumption that he's not going to be available for the Titans' first game back in week eight against the Falcons at home. That means we have to discuss what the Titans should do at quarterback. And obviously today, Malik Willis comes in. I saw some folks on Twitter asking, why did Malik come in? Well, because he's the only guy that can come in. Yes. Will Levis wasn't active today. He is the emergency quarterback. But as long as you have a backup, you do not have an emergency. Yes. Right. And, and it was it was so funny. They're like, a lot of mentions today when we, when we were um, just kind of reporting on the game throughout and when that kind of came down. And it was, it was a lot of like, man, Malik Willis is still beating out Will Levis this, this like far into the season. I was like, brother. He is the only quarterback that is eligible to yep, come into this yep, game, yep. you know, like so like even if they wanted and do think Will Levis is better. Currently, they, they did not have it in mind that this was going to happen to Ryan Tannehill. So they were just going with standard procedure, which is yep. uh, Malik Willis is as the backup right now. And of course, he has to come into the game. Now, if Will Levis, we don't know, you know, so like I agree so let's, with you. Let's talk about that, because that that's the, the decision that the Titans have to make now. They have a, a 14 day period to decide whether they roll with the guy that has been the backup but technically every game so far this season or the guy that they went up in the second round to select this season, the guy that ran Carthen, the current GM selected, the guy that all traditional indicators point to them thinking maybe the future for this team. The choice here is obvious, I think, to everybody. I think that the opportunity that they have to find out what they have in Will Levis is one that the Titans cannot mess up. And I'm not saying they won't, they, they may, but they, they, they cannot afford to mess up, mess up this opportunity. You have the perfect excuse to get an opportunity to see what Will Levis is mid season. There's a chance that you have him come in and he looks very bad. And in that case, maybe you consider other options coming back. Or if you've gone to the point where you're two and six, two and seven, and you think that you're out of the race, you're non-competitive, you're looking to the future, then you keep him in, you continue to give him maybe a chance to develop over the season. You know, this is not a great supporting cast he's going to be coming in to play with, we're imagining. So, you know, maybe you think, give him a chance to develop a little bit because he's not getting a lot of help. And so then you go in and, and if by the end of the year, 
he's not, he's still not playing well enough to make you think that he's the future. You're still uncompetitive. Well, congratulations. We'll have us about you to get to a, a high round first round pick. Not super likely, but a possibility. Also possibility that comes in, he plays well enough for you to be like, okay, we're let's, let's, let's go ahead and pull the tab on our Will Levis trial, free trial. Okay. Which is going to extend for about two months here. We're going to get 11 games out of this guy. We're going to get a good, firm, hard, long two and a half month look, almost three month look at what we have in Will Levis. Maybe he gets us to a really frustrating eight, eight and eight, eight and nine record, nine and eight record, seven and 10 record, which people are online are talking about right now being the last thing you can do. You absolutely cannot get to that record this year. I think that that is not really thinking it all the way through because JT, if you get to an eight and nine, seven and 10 record and you're not in the playoffs, you have a mid round pick, whatever, but in doing so over the last seven or 11 games of the season, Will Levis has looked like the guy has looked like a guy that's, you know, give him a full season and this guy can be a starter for us. He is potentially our quarterback of the future. Then you've not wasted your season. You've actually done something really productive and helpful to your franchise's future with that season. And that's what they absolutely have to do. Now, that is not to say that Malik Willis should be judged on what he did today, right? Because I don't think you or I really agree. I don't think you or I think that the situation he was put in was a fair one. It, It wasn't. And even still, like, you have to, like, it's not fair, but he did come into the day, I think, expecting that as a backup quarterback, you have to be ready to go. Sure. And when he goes in there with a game that is still, when he does go in, he, it is still obtainable to win. They were still in a spot that if you drive down the field like that, um, that you have a chance to win. It was a one-score game it's for, a, one, for a, it's a portion of the time game. that he was in. Then it was a two-score game. And I, they, I just they have a chance. very not impressed with what he did today. He looked very panicked and very Malik Willis-esque as he has in the past. Right. Um, just not going through his like full reads. And maybe that was because the offensive line started to break down as that game went on. So he wasn't getting as much time as Ryan Tannehill had because in the beginning he of the wasn't. game, he was not getting yeah. as much time. As Ryan Tannehill, uh, Tannehill was having just absolute hours of time to throw that ball and let plays develop. So, but even still, Malik was just second guessing himself and taking off running before anything could really develop. And even when he did run, it it was frustrating to see him not uh, make those plays. Yeah. And I, again, I, I just, that, that performance, I, I chalk up to a wash because because of the fact that he's put in a, you're going to a situation where the defense knows what you're going to do every down. You're stepping back to throw. They're not worried about the run. All of these things where he's put in an, an untenable situation. I don't think any, quarterback really succeeds in that situation behind this line with those skill weapons, skill weapons, skill position players who were not getting open. Yes. Um, and we'll talk about all of that. I, I kind of want to zoom back out for a moment. We, we've, we've covered, it needs to be Levis with Willis. We like, I think we know what, what his situation is now. Maybe his ceiling rises. If he's, you know, maybe he's still a longer term pro- prospect project prospect. Um, and is like a Geno Smith, maybe down the, the line in his career. He, fine. I'm not going to rule that out, but Levis is the one with the upside. Now the upside in the near future, the real, I mean, the real juice, I think if things go right for him and is the prospect that they went and they drafted highly for a reason. So zooming out, I want to talk about the the presence in that locker room. And this is another one of the big points I want to make today. I've been in the Titans losing locker rooms or been around or talked to folks that have been in or watched the videos of every losing locker room. The Titans have been in, um, well, not just this season, but 
dating back to the post Green Bay era of last season where they've done a lot of losing. And this year, in the first three losses, the Titans locker room, the coaches, the players, the presence, the atmosphere, the vibe was one that was pretty patient, was one that was disappointed and uh, annoyed and unhappy about losing for sure. But one that was was very aware of the fact that it is early on. It's September. It's early October. It's a very long season. We're a team with a lot of things that have changed over the offseason, a lot of moving pieces that are going to take some time to click, and we still have faith and confidence in our ability to get it to work. Today's locker room was was different than that. It was a it was a distinct difference. It was a distinct flip of the switch from last week's locker room to this week's locker room, in my opinion. That patience turned into palpable frustration. It turned into not panic uh, that panic is another step it has gone from patience up one rung to frustration and this is an important they're on the precipice here in my opinion because when when you get past frustration you you go one of two ways either the frustration turns into a rallying cry turns into players only meetings turns into dramatic changes of personnel here or there that result in guys stepping up or stepping into the spotlight finally like that can happen we've seen it happen with teams we've seen teams come back from the dead a little bit in that way and some some real fire under their butt does them some good we've also seen teams get really frustrated and then that frustration turns into apathy turns into um panic like that's the other road that this can go down for the titans and that's the road that they're obviously wanting to avoid and um i just i found it interesting how you got some quotes from i mean Jeffrey Simmons talking to our buddy Paul Kaharski after after the game about how he you know he he said he it's time for us to find out who wants to be on the field and who doesn't Im, Im, implying in his comments which I'm paraphrasing I don't want to misquote him go find on Paul Kaharski's Twitter account the 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 video itself to hear the words from Jeffrey Simmons but Paul took to, took it to mean I took it to mean and and implying of the fact that there may be some Titans. There are some eight to four guys still some guys that maybe don't want to be out there right now, or maybe some guys that Jeffrey or some other players are suspecting of not giving their all again. I'm not trying to put those words in Jeffrey's mouth. If that's not what he said, I'm sure he'll clarify later this week. If that's not what he meant, I'm sure he'll clarify later this week, but that's, that's what I was getting from that message from him. We heard Mike Vrabel in one of the most candid messages he's given at the podium this season. Talk about how, there may be some things on this team that aren't fixable. He was asked, we're kind of getting to a repetitive stage of coach better, play better, got to do better protecting the quarterback, got to do better establishing our dominance in the trenches, got to do better on the, on the secondary, not letting the guys get behind us, got to do better, got to do separate, like all these things that we need to do better, coach better, play better. And at what point does it become so repetitive? You're just banging your head against a wall and it's not working. You're not seeing progress. And he said, there may be some things that he said, I don't know. There may be some things we can't fix. He did say, we're not, he said, I'm not going to stop trying, even if it's the case that they can't be fixed and that the personnel that they have limits them um, or whatever the case may be. He's not going to stop trying, but he did finally admit that maybe now I think that that is something that he'll probably regret having said um, that that felt like a rarely do you get Mike Ribble in the heat of the moment kind of thing. That felt like something that he may have stepped away from the podium and been like, I wish I didn't phrase it like that. Um, but 
there were times when he looked on the sideline like a coach that one could reasonably read on his face is frustrated by the fact that he knows he's kind of hamstrung by some things. Yeah, I, I think so for sure. And another big part of his message today is that, um, cause I think also, um, PK was asking him about like, what, what is your message right now to the players, uh, to, right. the, to the players? And he, he just very much just gave them him an answer of, I don't know. Mm. The biggest thing right now is to get these guys back to Nashville, get them the treatment that they need, get them all the things that they need to get right for after the buy. And then we'll regroup and refocus. So I, I don't even think, um, I think, I don't think he knows exactly what, what his message is right now. Um, obviously I think that whether, whether he'd admit it or not, most likely would admit it that th this whole London thing for him is kind of a pain in the, you know, what you think him. you don't like all this nonsense. That's um, crazy. I have no idea why he wouldn't like all this. Nonsense. So I think this really is for him still in this team. This is this game in the grand scheme of things. Besides, of course, your quarterback one getting hurt in this game. Sure. Um, it really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things that much. Um, and, and it's more important to get these guys back and kind of reevaluate where you are. All right. Let's get to before we move on. Yeah. Uh, let's get to some of the comments here, which we promised we would get to. Um, Zedin saying the Tannehill injury is actually perfect. Forces the Titans to see what they have in the young quarterbacks that they have. Absolutely. And I think why it is in agreement. It's like the the thought of the unknown right now sure him, i think plays sure. into a big you need part. known quantities so that you can move forward you can't be operating on guesses and evaluations i agree um <laughs> zach riley saying that we help with the depression happy to help um joseph Allen has us pulled up with red zone muted appreciate you joseph let's see uh start levis from woodron who says that he's seen enough of levis get the mayo in that coffee and let's go it's a bummer <laughs> we didn't trade tanhill this offseason why it says the mayo stonks are going up absolutely zd and mentioning how kyle hamilton took out two of the Titans players in Josh Wiley and Chris Moore with at least one dirty hit and another hit that I'm not going to say it was dirty, but was uh, you know a concussive hit on, on Josh Wiley. A, definitely a very dirty skit that hit on, on Chris Moore happened right in front of us in the press box, a scary thing to watch in real time. One where you don't have to be a doctor to know that that guy is concussed. Yes. Like you saw him trying to get up. One of the, the scariest part of a bad concussion hit is not the hit itself. Right. At least to me, it's when this guy starts to get up and you can tell like he's not in there right yeah. now. And he, yeah, that's terrifying. And you're like, sit down, just chill out for a minute, relax. <laughs> yes. Um, and, it, and some players were having to hold, hold him up and the trainers were having to hold him up. And we didn't really get an update on how he is luckily the bias this week, but it's the kind of concussion where you wonder whether or not that might be more than a one week thing. We'll see for, for Chris Moore, I would probably go into it, expecting it to be a uh, more than a one week thing. We kind of saw kind of the almost, very similar in injuries in terms of concussion with Traylon Burks last yeah, year. Absolutely. Like very yep. much happened the same exact way. Um, the crossing route the crossing where route. The, the, the initial defender is there to make the tackle, tackling you in the direction that you're heading. The other defender comes across and head on collision. One-on-one yes. -on -one nails you crown of the helmet into the ear hole, sends his, his helmet. Then a second blow pounding into the terrible turf that that's how crazy this game was. Was that one of the biggest narratives going in was the turf and not a single one of us in the reporting pool thought to ask anybody about the turf after yeah, the game. Right. We had a million other questions to bring up. Um, let's see. Uh, Solar is saying that JT looks like Sam Hartman in five years. Oh, you mean the owner? 
of the uh, South Southern Californian uh, Trojans. That guy. Yeah, you know, I I'm having a great week. People are people are uh, liking likening me to Sam Hartman. Mm. They're likening me to a, a Tampa Bay Lightning player in Brandon Hagel, okay. who a lot of people love to thirst trap over. So I'm having a great week. So thank you for that one. I appreciate that. Cloudhouse <laughs> ENT says, "Lord, how many QBs are going to draft?" Well, if the the three guys they have right now aren't the answer, and one of them I think we know isn't another one, at least one more. So- and that would be super frustrating, right? Because I think this weekend, as we were as we were driving up to the stadium in the bus today, we we're just just we're just talking about how deep this draft class would be this oh, yeah. year oh, yeah. uh, with skill positions. So yep. not to get off track, but like if you have to go back to the well, which is the quarterback <laughs> position is deep this year, but there's so much more talent yep. out there. To and there's a lot of need as well. Yes. Um, okay. A couple more comments here. Why it says we've got a, a firm, long, hard two and a half. Excuse me. All right. Um, Cloudhouse says, I say, give him one start. And if he's worse, go with, Oh, so Cloudhouse says, give Le- uh, Willis one start and then go with Levis. Interesting. Zedian saying, Kudos to the Titans for changing things up. They pulled Fulton Dillard this game. Glad you bring that up because that's where we wanted to go next with the conversation. Cloudhouse saying if Chris Moore is out, who are the wide receivers? Um, it's not it's not good. The numbers are dwindling. Let's talk about Dillard and Fulton, who were both sat down for different periods of time in this game. Now, with Fulton, I'll admit I don't I don't know if he was pulled the entirety of the back half of the game. Perhaps he was. I don't I because I saw him out there afterwards. I know at least for one. And, I, and I'm not sure exactly like what the reasoning is. That that was one thing that once we got out of that press conference, Mike Ray was like, interesting that no one really brought this up, maybe because it really didn't mean anything and he came back in that game. But to kind of, I believe, start um, or, or finish the um, second quarter, Trey Avery is out there playing where Christian Fulton was, right. but ended up coming back into the game, whether that was maybe just sitting him down and being like, hey, man, still not getting better. Let's Sorry, let's Bell. let's. Right pull you out here, see if that sparks anything in you and then get you back out there when you're feeling good and ready. Um, so not sure about that one, but the Dillard one, however, um, is a different story. Yeah. So with Dillard, I forget when in the game it was before halftime, I believe Andre Dillard sat down for second year player, Nicholas Petit Freire, who some folks have been clowning me on Nicholas Petit Freire getting back in the starting lineup. I was wrong about where, but I was right about him getting back in there. Crazy how <laughs> that works. Um, it only took a game and a half of him being back to get in there. And he, again, as we always disclaim on Sundays, we do not know fully about what the offensive line situation was success wise or failure wise until we see the tape, which we'll get into later this week and talk about on the next show that we do. But based on what I saw in person, and on some replays and just general how well protected was the quarterback, how well blocked were the lanes going along the left side for the running back. NPF did a fine job in relief and a better job than Andre Dillard was doing for sure. I see no reason why I'm so glad they did it. So glad they did it. I see no reason why they shouldn't stick with it. I see no reason why it shouldn't be what they do to see if NPF can be because with, with Dillard, we know his contract. There's an out after this year it's a two year contract ultimately. So it, ultimately it's two years at most. You're, you're not, you're, you may have hoped that was the case that he was your you guy sw- of the future. You swung and miss. You swung and missed and you didn't tie your horse to him. And at this point, I think we all can understand. He's not your tackle of the future. Yeah. He's just, he's not a starting tackle in this league with MPF. He may be, we don't know. It is too, it is simply too early to have determined that whether or not he can be a starter in this league for a long time. And at what positions, it's time to find out. Again, it is find out season for the Titans. They have to round. It's time to find out. 
And um, they have the opportunity to today. They started to with a guy like MPF getting in there for for Dillard. So I'm glad that they did it. I think it's important they did it. I think it's important that they stick with it. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see going forward because Mike Rabel was not ready to commit to anything like that about moving him. But he did say, like, along the lines, he's like, yeah, like you said, it, we're, we're figuring things out yep. uh, in this game. And he said, I, I just wanted to try something different, give him some time to play and, and see if this made any change. And I think... Now it's not a lot of change, but it, it was it was something at least. All right, now I see there's a lot of you watching with us live, and I appreciate that. We have reached the point of the show where the main topics we wanted to talk about we have exhausted, and we are in a very different situation here in London. We do, it's a very low tech setup. I'm operating off of some notes on my phone instead of a proper note system on our laptops. So unlike a lot of shows, we have a lot of information and detailed show planned out for you. Um, we're happy to talk for the next thirty minutes. We're happy to be done with the show now. We would love to to address any questions or comments that you have. So if you're watching the show, head on over to Broadway sports media on YouTube, give us some discussion topics that we can talk about along with you in the comments. I see that Joseph has already chimed in saying, do you gentlemen feel Vrabes gets a pass for John Robinson's failures for the past two years, or is his seat starting to get a little warm after being two and 11 in the last 13 games? So let's talk about that question and about Mike Vrabel's culpability. While those of you that are watching, not named Joseph, who's already contributed, thank you, Joseph. Give us your thoughts, give us your questions, give your comments in the comment section. Your biggest takeaway from this game or your biggest desire for what you want to see the Titans do after the bye, drop it in the comments right now. Joseph, your question is a good one, and it's one that we're going to have a lot to talk about, a lot to say for the next two weeks while the Titans are not playing. We've already addressed this a decent amount. But I, 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 and people are all over the spectrum on this one. There is not really a consensus, I don't think. I think that the majority still holds firm in the idea, which I still do. Mike Vrabel was not the one making personnel decisions for the vast majority, if not all, of John Robinson's tenure with the Tennessee Titans. That he was, he was the head coach. John Robinson was the general manager. That's how it was working. And a lot of the crap that John Robinson has gotten this team's wagon stuck in now is he was driving the stagecoach. He was steering the ship. That wasn't Mike Vrabel. And so when I say earlier in the show that Mike Vrabel looks like a coach at times that maybe on the inside knows he's coaching a team that just isn't quite as talented as some other teams he's had, isn't quite as talented as some fans think or talented enough to compete or whatever it may be, knows there's some shortcomings in some places. I, that's that's me saying he's not really that culpable for those things. Now, there are coaching decisions he makes that he is culpable for. And, you know, we can point to things like, good on you for changing out Andre Diller with MPF. Well done. Glad you did it. Glad you weren't stubborn about it. Christian Fulton, like, if you hadn't done that, we would say, what are, you, what are we doing here? What's going on? Um. Things where it's obvious coaching decisions, like with Craig Ackerman and the, the conversations he has with his players, Kyle Phillips, trying to field that punt with one second to go in the first half, muffing it and giving the Ravens three free points before the half. We had that conversation with Vrabel afterwards. We had the conversation with Kyle Phillips afterwards, who was very forward with the fact that it's on me. I made a mistake. I let the team down. Got to find a way to be better. No excuses. Good on him. Very disappointed and and beaten down when we spoke to him after the game so uh, upsetting for him as a person that he had to deal with that but he handled it like a man and 
Um, I, I do think that he will be better going forward. It, it's continuing to hammer home the idea where I've done a 180 in the last two months. And it's like this guy may be the, the most talented returner, but for a couple of different reasons, he should not be your punt returner. He should be your receiver exclusively. That being said, um, I, I just, I, I think that Vrabel, I don't know. What what are your thoughts on Vrabel's culpability? I, I don't hold him responsible for a lot of the personnel shortcomings. I actually don't really hold him responsible for any of the personnel shortcomings. I hold him responsible for decisions that I know are coaching decisions. And right now I have some issues with coaching decisions, but it does not come. It does not meet the level of problems I have with the personnel situation. Yeah. I, I think I'm with you right now. I don't think his seat is uh, hot at all. Really? It, it, I mean, I don't know what else you could really expect from him currently after firing John Robinson and then having a first year general manager. It's kind of like, I think next year, if we like continue to see, I I don't think I'm going to put him on a hot seat this season. I think going, going into next season, if we, we see more of the same, then we can start having that discussion. But for right now, I, I, like you said, I think he's been handed the, the cards that, that, He's dealt, and he's trying his best to use them to the best of his ability. And Zedin chimes in. Why is Kyle Phillips still returning punts? Absolutely, that is the question. That is the concern. Why, God, why, please, why? In the name of Michael Scott. Um, in the in the words of Michael Scott. It, clearly, the team thinks he's their best option, and it it was hilarious for them to run him back out there right after he muffed that punt, the, the faith is unwavering. Zedin, I simply do not know other than the fact that he's the most talented guy on the team and they don't feel they have any other guy that they want doing that and they're going to trust him to keep going. If he keeps doing that, keeps putting I mean, the ball on the ground. Clearly, they they aren't they aren't willing to to get rid of one of the depth uh, defensemen Correct. to keep Mason Kinsey on an active roster. Right, right, absolutely. Um, some other questions here. Wyatt asking, please don't talk about all the available 2024 draft picks. Yeah, we won't talk about, <coughs> excuse me. We won't talk about, <coughs> ah, excuse me. I'm allergic to talking about how bad the Titans are right now. Um, please. Oh, oh, just about the fact that the Titans don't have any picks. Yeah, that's a concern. And you know what? The trade deadline coming up in three weeks, a little more than three weeks, I believe. So there's opportunity for the Titans with some veterans that will be of, of interest around the league to be, recoup some of those picks. We'll see. But right now you're right. Limited selection for them. Um, Claudia and T asking about the trade line. Let's, let's mention the trade line real quick, just about whether the Titans are sellers. I, I think that there's an argument to be made that they should be obviously whether they will be or not. I lean still towards no. Again, I don't think this team is ready to give up on being competitive this year. Right now, you know, I think the Jaguars are still beating the Colts pretty handily. Last I checked, if I'm wrong, somebody in the comments correct me. That's what it was when we started the show. It looked like they were going to win that game. Houston, um, I'm not sure if they even see them as a threat, but so far they seem to be. And I think that they were winning that game last I checked. But regardless, like they're who win or lose, whoever does what today, they're not in a situation where they're at two and four, hopelessly behind. Reminder of the Jacksonville Jaguars just less than one year ago being down four or five games in the division much deeper into the season than this and coming yeah. back and winning the division. It is still absolutely possible. Mike Ribble did not see that happen nine months ago and think, well, we can't do that. He's thinking I can do that. Yes. Um, and I, you know, so for that reason, I, I'm not confident they will be sellers. They may be 
like net sellers in the in the sense that they're not going after guys and they sell off a piece or two here or there. Yeah. You know, you get a, tr a Christian Fulton sell for, uh, sell Christian Fulton low, grab a little something for him, and he gets another try somewhere else. You know, uh, um, you get a like. I, I don't know, a Danico Autry move if a team is, is wanting to pay high for him. Something, I mean, something expensive. Or like Tier Tart, who is on a one-year deal. Right, right. So that kind of thing, yes. But big sellers moving a bunch of pieces and really embracing the tank, I, I simply don't see them doing it. And that. also outside of those like three pieces on the defensive side of the ball, what else is there really to sell on this team, I think, right now? Um, of course, you could always think Derrick Henry could. think, though. Derrick like, Henry, Henry, Kevin Byard, you could move. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, absolutely yes. a team that could, could desperately go for him and try to buy you out of that contract and give you something in return for him. So I think the biggest thing though, is that, and this is something that I think will be interesting to talk about over the bye week is that you have your, your, your next two weeks here, you're going up against Atlanta, right? Who, um, did not look good against a the, limited the, team, the, the a Washington limited commanders team. today. Right. So that is a winnable game. And then you go up against a Pittsburgh Steelers team who is very much kind of like this Titans team and has a pretty solid defense, but the, the offense is pretty pitiful uh, mm. sometimes. So um, it's important to, to know that just as quickly as it is two and four right now, the Titans could be at four and four at the, uh, at the trade deadline and feeling like the back half of their schedule is just as good. I agree. Um, let's see some other comments from the doc. Love the doc. Vrabel, a great guy, but special teams awful today. Offensive awful today. Someone has to be responsible. Absolutely true. Somebody does have to be responsible. Um, whether that is the players, the personnel situation, not being good enough. And then you say, okay, the GM, whether it's the coaching, you say, okay, it's the coach. That is the discussion to be had. And with the GM, even then you say, oh, he's been here for, no, you, maybe the blame's on the old GM. This guy's been here for 10 seconds. The last question we can talk about today from AJ a couple moments ago asking how would you grade all of Rand's draft picks and free agent pickups now we're, now we're not going to go person by person no. I, the big I saw the big look on your face we're not going to do that um that's a good we're definitely gonna do that in the show eventually yeah by that's the end of the season we'll do that and so, it wasn't it wasn't like oh my god it was more like that's just a loaded question a yeah, yeah, yeah yeah to think about we can't talk about it generally though yeah and I, right now I think I'm still in the same place you want to just give, you give like let's go through like the big the, ones, the big ones, and just give like a quick letter grade. Well, I mean, we can just talk about the draft as a whole. I think the yeah. draft is the best thing that he's done. Yeah. In the sense that you've added Peter Skaronsky, who looks to be a long-term starter. You've added Tajay Spears, a long-term starter. Or we, I hopefully we're about to find out that Will Levis is or is like whether he, or not he is. We, we'll be finding that out quickly, hopefully, and, and a chance to see it. Going one one pick past that, as I tweeted out earlier Josh, today. Yep. Uh, if Josh, well, if, from if, you? if Josh, well, I, we, we won't know. Well, well, not yet. Okay, okay. But if he doesn't have that concussion, they've been using him a lot more sure. uh, in the past couple of weeks. So maybe I, uh, I would eat crow on that one maybe, but so it looks like the draft class as a whole is successful early. Again, it is too early to yes. degrade these things, but you're asking for an early grade. We're giving you our best shot at an early grade. Free agency wise. It's a very hit or miss. It's very I mean, hit or miss. I would miss. say, I'd say like. 50 50 on that one for sure. right i agree so you because you've got some guys like i think aziz alshair has been a nice pickup sean get, murphy bunting sean murphy bunting has been a very I bet, probably the best of the pickups in my opinion uh, i forget deandre hopkins and sean murphy bunting those two i've been really f fond of what they've done mm -hmm. arden key has been up and down but i think a net positive not not amazing but certainly a starter and filled a need for you um 
And then you've got some guys that have been misses, right? You really, the, the biggest is Andre, Andre Dillard. Dillard. Yep. Am I actually just conflating Andre? Who else? Is I it just Chris, Andre Dillard? Chris Moore has been okay. Okay. No, Chris Moore has been good. Yeah. He's been good. Um, so like, actually it's just Andre Dillard. So actually yeah. I give Rand genuinely. And, it, it, and then there's, you look there's, at on the whole. there's other ones like Luke Gifford, who's more of a gadget guy. Right, right, right. But, like, but on the whole, I think it goes to show that what Rand has done has brought in some new positive things for the most part, except for again a player at a very important position, left tackle and Andre Dillard. Yes. You know, yeah, and even getting, going, like, getting tackle right in the NFL is I feel so like, hard. I feel like it's so hard. I feel like we've also just kind of forgot about Daniel Brunskill as well, and that's probably a ah, good, yes, a it's good a good thing. thing. You should forget about as, your linemen. As yes, long as we're yes. not talking about Daniel Brunskill, he's probably doing his job well. So absolutely. So yes, it, it is a testament to what he has done in his first year with the Titans with, with limited resources this past offseason. And it is also a testament to just how bad some of the rot that John Robinson left behind had become and the fact that they were right to move on from him when they did. All right. Um, are you good to wrap it there? Do we want to wrap it there for today? Yeah. And I think I think that's going to be it for today. We'll have plenty more thoughts on this later this week when we do a more formal, um, a different, more, more traditional show for this feed than, than this situation. JT headed back tomorrow to yes. the States. So he'll be running the ship from there. I will still be here with um, some family and my wife making a bit of a trip out of the uh, bye week situation. We'll still be on call. We'll still be talking Titans. We'll still be involved on social media and with the show. So don't worry about that. We are because of the bye. Gonna, we're going to take at least one show out of the regular rotation. No Wednesday, Tuesday live, Wednesday drop show this week. We will do our second show this week, Thursday afternoon, Friday morning drop. And then we'll see about the week leading up to the Atlanta game. Perhaps that's a three-show week. Perhaps it's a two-show week. But absolutely shows every Monday and Friday no matter what. And no show this Wednesday. So one show off. Find something else to do. Go <laughs> take a walk or look at the birds or start painting Bob Ross. Paint along with Bob Ross on Netflix. Do something other than think about the Titans. It will do you some good, I promise. Appreciate all of you being with us live today again here in London. It was a real treat, a real blessing for us to be able to be here live doing this. Super crazy, super cool. Um, all the people and the help that we had to to be here and be able to cover the, the game and the team in person have had a blast. Can't wait to get back and continue the season. For producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you all again on Friday.